Welcome to the She Grows podcast. Today, we're going to hear from our resident worship leader and friend, Becca Poe. She spoke at our June 2022 gathering, and it was such a powerful word then, and we believe you will get so much out of it today. Here's Becca. Hello, happy she. I feel naked without my guitar. I can say that because there's not boys here. Uh, (laughs) It feels very strange. Um, I really am so excited to be here to share a little bit about what I believe the Lord has for us tonight. Before we do that, I would be crazy not to take the opportunity as the first, not Jen or Danielle, up here with a microphone to honor our two fearless leaders for this thing. You want to talk about some obedience. Um, I walk through life very closely with them, and they are the real dang deal. Um, It is not just the talk the talk. It is truly the walk the walk and really empower people to do things that they didn't know they needed to do. Um, So here we are living proof of it. So thank you guys. Um, Also, we haven't scared you away yet, visitors, like the 90s didn't completely run you away. Everybody's still good? We're hanging on? Okay, good to know, good to know. Um, Our serve teams have such a good time around here, and I hope that you can feel the authenticity of just us trying to have a good time and connect with people. That's what this whole thing is. It's just heart and family. So I'm going to dive right in and go ahead and admit to you, the 90s were not exactly my glory days, okay? I started the decade with bangs. I, I ended the decade with a center part, not the cute one, Okay. Somewhere along the way, there was a very tragic pixie cut that is great for some people. It was not great for me the first day of sixth grade. That was really sweet. Thanks, Mom. Um, So those weren't exactly my glory days, but I'm hoping that tonight will be sweet redemption (laughs) of all of those things. So I am a school counselor by trade. That's my job. And I teach my students all the live long day. And any time before I start any lesson, I always say, hey, guys, before I even start talking, I'm going to tell you what the point is. Because if you've ever tried to keep the attention of 11 or 12-year-olds, it can be tricky. Um, So I say, I'm going to tell you what the point is so you know what we're here for in the first place. Um, I know you're not 12. Well, some of you are 12. Um, I gave birth to one of you. You're 11, though. Um, But I am going to tell you what the point of our time is here. And um, I want to jump right into the heart of the night. And I think we have a scripture up here Um, for Romans 15, 13. If not, go ahead and write it down. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 15, 13. I love that picture that it evokes when I think of the word confident hope. There's something about that, that when I think about a person walking through faith with a confident hope, that is not a woman that is buried and trucking through. It is a woman walking in the boldness of Jesus Christ through only the work of the Holy Spirit. I got saved in middle school. That was a good thing that happened in the 90s. I'll give it that. Um, I got saved in middle school, and my faith had to very quickly take root because up until that point, I'd had a pretty typical childhood. Um, My family was good. My parents were married. My mom taught Sunday school. She wrote little songs for children's church. Um, My dad traveled a lot, but when he was around, he was at church. We had a great community. We had great friends. Um, but around the time, um, I guess I was 10 or 11, um, shortly after I met the Lord, my family kind of started to crumble. My mom had dealt, unbeknownst to me, with mental health issues from, I think, the time I was four. 
but it was kind of under control, under control, right? Like any of our mental health is under control. Um, I won't go down that. It was under control, if you will, but there was a trifecta of events that kind of led to this spiral for her that led to just a lot of heartbreak and tragedy in my family. Um, she self-medicated with things that were illegal. She self-medicated with things that were illegal. Um, that led to addiction. That led to a lot of hard days when she was good. I can't tell you how much I idolized my mom. I remember being a little girl and just staring at her putting on mascara in the mirror and thinking there is not a more beautiful person in the whole wide world. Her eyes were this jade green. I just idolized her. She was fun. She was fierce. She was brave. Like, you did not mess with her. And she was, I would call her an expert of the fringe people. If she was in a room, there wasn't a lonely person there. She could feel them. She could see them. She could meet them right where she was. She had the voice of an angel. She wrote songs. She was just the greatest thing that I think God ever gave me until she wasn't. So about the time I was 10 years old, I began to grieve my mom in little ways. Sometimes she'd come back to visit, but sometimes it was not my mom. It was a really, really hurtful person. It was a really, really different person, and it wasn't a person that I could trust. So after a lot of years of struggle, hospitalizations, separations, suicide attempts, divorce, reconciliation, all the things, all the roller coaster of events, uh, my mom eventually just left our family when I was 15 years old. I came home from um, really one of my first dates to a number on caller ID that I didn't recognize. What is that number? Oh, it's, that was your mom. She called. She lives 10 hours away and didn't bother saying goodbye. So my faith had to fill in a pretty big gap at that point. It had to become the real deal or not. The issue with that is that I had been so trained to please, to control, to be so good. Like, if I'm just good enough, then maybe she'll be okay today. Like, maybe. Maybe if I make those grades or if I'm nice enough or if I sing pretty too, maybe. Maybe it'll be enough. That's not how God works. So I had a whole lot of undoing to do. I prayed that salvation prayer and meant it when I was in middle school. But I prayed that prayer about a hundred more times because I could not understand or get it through my thick skull that Ephesians 2.9 is real. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. I needed to hear that more than I needed the practical tips. I needed that embedded in my brain every single day because I was reading my Bible, but I didn't feel like my story was big enough yet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, I've really only stuck into my parents' liquor cabinet at this point. I don't think I rebelled enough for Jesus to save me. <laughs> um, like, you know, like it just didn't feel legit. So I kept trying to make it feel more legit. That is just like the enemy. Right? We know that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. First Peter 5, 8 says, He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he, may, whom he may devour. Here's the thing. He's evil. He's the worst, but he's not dumb. Okay? He knows where his limits are. He knows that he can't pluck me right out of God's hand. The moment I believed, I was safely and securely covered by the blood of Jesus. That is biblical. But what he could do is he could rob me of my boldness. He could make me question, well, was it real enough? Does that really fit you? Was that really for you? And so that's what he did. I think today 
what the Lord would have us talk through is that the enemy may not be able to rob you of your salvation, but he sure might be able to convince you that there's somebody better suited to do his work than you are, the work that's right in front of you. Well, what are they going to think if you step out and do that? Surely there's somebody more godly than you, right? That is just a lie. He can keep us second-guessing ourselves just enough to rob us of our boldness. There's a picture of a bold woman in the Bible. I found it in Proverbs 31, 25 through 26, also on the screens. Uh, (laughs) It says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise and she gives instructions with kindness. Y'all, you check all those boxes in one day. You can't tell me nothing. Okay, that is a bold woman right there. Tonight, I believe that the enemy comes at us with three tools to rob us of those very things right there. Three tools that he uses to rob us of our boldness. So we're going to go through those three things. Because again, the heart of this whole thing is that by the time we leave here today, you are able to shuck whatever is on you to stand up straight and boldly march out of here in the confidence of God that he called and equipped every single one of you to. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for your faithful hand. God, for every single woman, every single heart and soul sitting in these seats, Lord, you love them. You've called them. Lord, I just ask that right now, God, that whatever words need to be spoken, whatever memories need to be evoked, whatever needs to happen to draw your daughters close today, Lord, that that happens. God, we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the first part of that verse says she is clothed with strength and dignity. I could ramble for 76 minutes about how the clothed part feels really important, but I'll move on. Um, I think the first tool that the enemy is going to use to rob us of that is obviously shame, right? So shame, that's our first tool that the enemy is going to use. The first one out of his toolkit to convince you that you are not strong and you are not dignified is that he's going to shame you to death. When I first read this, I thought about Rahab. Who knows Rahab? knows her. You went to lunch with her yesterday. I heard the story of Rahab. I'm going to give you the close note version and try to really not ramble here. But it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible because it comes at a really cool part of the Old Testament, not like the parts you're trudging through, but like the exciting part. It's the end of the 40-year struggle through the wilderness with the Israelites. Moses has just died, and Joshua is told, you are going to see the people through the promised land. So this is Joshua 2.1, first, first order. He's going to send two spies to Jericho because they are about to step into the promised land and take it over. So his first order, he sends those spies over. It says right out of the gate, verse 1, those spies came upon Rahab, the prostitute's house. They spent the night. Okay. So whatever you think about the Bible, I just think you need to think again. Um, So they stayed there. They were godly men. It was all on the up and up. But they went because they had to find a way to sneak in. Well, obviously, the leadership of Jericho heard about this. They started freaking out. So they go straight to Rahab's house. Hey, I think those guys that came into your house earlier are the spies. You need to send them out here. And Rahab says, I don't know what you're talking about, man. They, got, they left a long, long time ago. Well, she had hidden them on the roof. So she sneaks up there and she basically says, hey, I have heard about your God. I'm not messing with him. So I'm going to get you out of here safe because I believe that he's real. But the deal is when you come back, you got to save me and my family. 
She says, no wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing the things he's done. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. The faith of a prostitute. So, that was the deal. That set the whole thing in motion. I will give you the Cliff's Notes versions then. Now the spies go back. They go back and they give the little scoop about things. There is a mass circumcision. We'll save that for the men's ministry. Launching soon. Uh, <laughs> there's a mass circumcision. They march around the walls of Jericho. March, 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 march. Horns blow. Attack, attack. And make sure you save Rahab the prostitute and her family. And guess what? They do. It says they go back and they saved Rahab. It's a good thing they saved Rahab because we see later in the New Testament through the genealogy of Jesus that guess who our father felt needed to be in the DNA of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Rahab. You aren't going to find a lot of women's names in that genealogy, but she's there and her story's there. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about how shame has no place in your life, I don't know what you need to know. Yes, praise him. That's a good thing. Figure out what I'm talking about. All right, so it's just a really cool thing. And to me, it is the picture of the visual picture of being clothed in strength and dignity was the strength she had to obey and the dignity that the Lord just clothed on her because of her obedience and her faith. That story should have been enough for me to really get it. But sometimes when it's your people... It's a little bit harder. My mom's struggles continued. She moved when I was 15. She found herself on the streets. There were months, probably even a year that went by. I didn't know if she was dead or alive. We'd hear from her sometimes. Sometimes we didn't. But typically, I could count on a payphone call or a card around my birthday. Well, this particular year had come and gone, and I was on AOL Instant Messenger. There's your throwback. <laughs> Talking to a friend of mine who is serving overseas, and I get a pop-up. What are they called? I don't even remember anymore. I get a little pop-up um, from a person I don't know that says, your mom, link. I link. So I click on the link, and it's my mom's mugshot, and it's a link to an arrest report. Not what I was expecting. So I click on it. It's the first time I've seen her face in a long time. That all by itself was emotionally reactive, right? So I see her face and I look, what is this? I see the arrest was on May 7th. Well, no wonder you missed my birthday. You were busy. Um, and I look and it turns out that that arrest was that my mom had found herself in a similar situation to Rahab. And I thought in that moment, was it really that bad being my mom? Was it that bad? to be ours, to be loved, to be doted on? Was it that bad that this is a better choice? It broke my heart. It gave me shame. It made me look at her different. It was just a whole thing. I am thrilled to tell you that my mom and I really did reconcile our relationship. And she died five years ago. Um, but we ebbed and flowed with her illness. She beat addiction, but she always struggled with mental illness until the day that she died. It was a challenge for her. Um, but I loved her, and I tried to honor her every day of my life. 
because the Lord called me to do that. What I didn't realize is that it was protecting me because I could be standing here with a whole nother story and a lot of regret if I didn't follow what the Lord friggin' said to do, even when it's hard. Honor your mama, okay? It's just, you just got to do it. It's important. <laughs> um, so anyways, after her death, I'm going through her things with my family and I come across a letter. Um, and it is postmarked from the county jail that she had served in. And so I see that postmark, or I see that return address, and I'm like, oh, right, it takes me right back. I look at it, and I open up this letter, and I read a letter that says something like this. Dear Mama Leah, her endearing terms, Dear Mama Leah, I miss you so much. I'm so glad you got out. Me and the girls miss you singing hymns to us at night. It always made us feel so good. Do you know that you're the only person that ever told me that Jesus could love somebody like me? I'm so thankful for you, and I hope that everything's good. I miss you, and I love you. Sign name. You think I had any clue that the minute that I was wallowing in the shame fest and the embarrassment fest, that my mom had opted at her lowest moment to go share the love of Jesus in a prison with some people I would never reach? Now, listen, I'm not saying that she is a saint, okay? There was some stuff. I think it, my life alone is evidence of the consequence of sin and the consequence of struggle. And she lived and she struggled it. But she knew who her Savior was. And she knew where to fall when she fell. And she was bold enough to share that hope and that love with girls who needed it the most. It changed that story for me from the most shameful thing to I am proud to tell you right now that I am the daughter of a mama who ministered in a prison. It changes everything. That's the power of Jesus. The second thing, the second tool the enemy's going to use to come at us is fear. That second part of Proverbs says she laughs without fear of the future. She laughs without fear of the future. I think we laugh a lot at the future, but we're like, shit, <laughs> there went that again. How much worse could it really get? Um, so this is not that kind of laughing. <laughs> like, oh, um, I, I don't think that's what the Lord meant here. I could be wrong. <laughs> if so, we'll come back to that. But she laughs without fear of the future. When I think of a picture of a fearless woman in the Bible, I just, I don't know how you picture Mary, the mother of Jesus, but I picture Mary, the mother of Jesus, as like just the fiercest little thing in the whole wide world. That's the picture that I have, okay? There are accounts all through the Bible of grown men having encounters with angels, right? They're falling out left and right. There's all these issues. Everybody, It says, Mary was confused and disturbed. That feels like a pretty, that feels like a pretty chill response, okay, to hello, angel, and you're going to get pregnant by the, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. <laughs> That's terrifying. <laughs> so she has that encounter. Her response to that is just obedience and praise. That's it. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I think about what it must have been like for her, truly. I don't think we can ever understand, but what it must have really been like for her to be a young, unmarried, virgin bride whose pregnancy would have been the actual end of the world. You think it's a big deal raising your kids? I think it's a big deal raising my kids. Mary legit had to raise the son of God. 
Just the, just the diet alone would put me in the grave. <laughs> what do you eat? <laughs> How do I discipline you? <sighs> in my personal life and in my professional life, I spend a lot of time talking to parents. And I think one of the greatest fears, if we're back to fear, is that your kid would be misunderstood, right? That who I know on the inside does not match on the outside. And it's just heartbreaking because if they could just see what I see, if they could just know what I know, and the fear of people treating them differently. Y'all, Mary was the supreme mother of that. Nobody could ever get it. You think it's hard seeing your kids face temptation? My oldest is a teenager now. Whew, it's a thing. <laughs> it, the Bible tells us that there's no temptation that Jesus endured or didn't endure that we did. So that means she saw every fiery arrow of the enemy coming at her son. Every single one. It says that he was hated by the world. She had to watch his crucifixion. I just cannot imagine how I would even be able to get out of bed. And Mary marched on. She was fearless. I think that Mary already knew what would be written later, that hardships lead to character, and character leads to endurance, endurance leads to the confident hope of our salvation. Truth be told, what you really want for your kids is for them to have some endurance, for them to develop good character, and for them to have a confident hope in their salvation. You know what has to happen for that to happen? Hardship. We got to quit freaking out every time something's hard. We like that verse for ourselves, but it's different on our kids, isn't it? It's different. My grandmother was a godly woman, and she told the best little story. She was so sweet, but when she was telling a story about when she was scared, she would say, ooh, honey, I was shaking like a leaf. That was her thing. She would always say, honey, I was shaking like a leaf. And sometimes I look around at Christianity, and I feel like we're just a bunch of shaking leaves. I feel like it's just a cacophony of fear, and everybody's just shaking and freaking out. And literally, the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline, and we're over here falling for it, hook, line, and sinker every time we turn around. The reason that we don't have to do that is because we have the Holy Spirit. The reason we don't have to crumble in fear is because God gives us not just regular love, but agape love. If you have ever watched Star Wars, you know that fear and hate are very closely related. <laughs> if you ever watch the news, you know that fear and hate are closely related. It is not a coincidence that God gave us agape big deal love to combat fear. He also gave us self-discipline. Listen, I'm not here to give you a checklist of all the things you need to do to be a good Christian. The Lord is going to carry you through that, and you need to be in a community that is going to make that, help make that work for you. Because everybody's just a little different. Um, but I will tell you that we have to be an active participant in that. We have to be willing to submit those thoughts. We have to be willing to talk it out with people who are going to give us godly counsel. We have to be willing to talk to our Father. It's just like we would do with our kids, right? We're not mad at them for not knowing what to do or doing it the wrong way. We just want him to come talk to us because we've got a better way for him. It's the same thing with our father. It's not about a guilt trip. It's about just spending time so he can talk to you already. If the crux of our faith is that Jesus defeated hell in the grave so that we could live, we should probably act like it's true. <laughs> All right, the final point I'm going to give you guys tonight. 
That last part of Proverbs says, when she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. I believe the enemy comes at us on that one with bitterness. You know, it's really easy to talk to people about how other people have wronged you. Have you ever noticed it? You want an active listener. You want some good eye contact. Start talking about the juicy stuff, right? (laughs) All these people did this. And you can really, you can build whole friendships on it. Truth be told, right? You can, oh, that happened to me too. Oh, she did that. Oh, let me tell you about her sister. Okay. (laughs) You can build a whole thing on it and it can feel really great and really good. And y'all, there is a time and a place to air your stuff. But if you're so busy with your words, allowing the the enemy to come in and root bitterness, there's no space left for your words to be wise or for kindness to be on your tongue. It's not that the Holy Spirit's there. It's just you haven't given them room to talk. I read it in a professional development a couple of weeks ago, this quote about trauma. It says, whether a person dies by drowning in an ocean or a bathtub, they've still drowned. I think the same can be said for circumstances of bitterness. You know, in my life, I had some opportunities for bitterness, probably more than some and less than others. Truth is, it doesn't really matter how deep your well that you can draw from is. You drown, you drown. We have to be there with wise words and kind, kind instruction on our tongue. The Bible tells us that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. What makes you think that your judginess is going to lead anybody there? It's his kindness. All right. I told you guys a little bit about the emotional consequences of my mom leaving. But there was um, a pretty major physical one, too. I had sleep paralysis um, started very quickly after my mom left. If you don't know what sleep paralysis is, lucky you. Uh, (laughs) It is basically a sleeping disorder where your entire body is paralyzed from head to toe. It feels like a weight is holding you down, but your brain is wide awake. It sometimes comes with hallucinations. It comes with scary nightmares. It comes with a whole lot of stuff. So I started having those episodes pretty regularly shortly after she left. And I clearly had a great attitude about it as a teenager. Um, So on this particular night, I'd had a really bad episode. And it was not uncommon for my dad to come in and um, pray with me back to sleep. If it was really bad, I would cry and I just needed to see another person, you know, before I went back to bed. And so you'd pray and I'd go back to bed. But this particular night, there was something going on that week that was all about moms. Everybody had a mom but me, and I was just in my feels about it. And that night, I'd had a really bad um, auditory hallucination where I just heard seas and seas and seas of demons. I just heard laughter all around me. And I come out of it, and of course I'm crying, and I cry out for my dad, and he comes in, and I think he's expecting for the regular prayer and go back to bed, and I go, I hate her! It was not like me. I don't think I'd really show my dad my emotions a whole bunch about all of it, because again, it wasn't a picnic for him either. So I just screamed, I hate her. I want you to pause for just a second and put yourself in that position. If you're my dad, what do you say? You've got this kid, you see her Bible, weathered and worn. You know she fell asleep with worship music because she hears demons sometimes when she's trying to sleep. You know she's keeping her grades up. You know she's doing all the things, and you know every shortcoming of your ex and what she did to your kids. Here's what my dad said. Hey, girly, because that's my dad. I'm so sorry this is happening to you, but you do not get to hate her. 
And I'm like, come again, sir? <laughs> don't you see how I'm crying and I'm really sad? <laughs> he said, you don't get to hate her. I'm going to tell you why. You are beautiful because your mother's beautiful. You're kind. You look out for people. You're smart. You're talented. That voice of yours, it's from your mother. So I'm really sorry this is happening to you. But there's a whole lot of good in her that is going to live in you for a long time. And you don't get to hate her. I've tried all week to put into words exactly what that did for me and my spirit. How close that bitterness root was to just digging in deep that night. I just don't have words for it. The only thing I can say is that I believe the Holy Spirit orchestrated that moment like a symphony. My dad is not an emotional person. He would be better suited to pilot the next space flight than to talk a traumatized, emotional teenager off of a ledge. He literally signed my birthday cards, Brent. Okay. But that man honored the Lord in that season like I have never seen. And I believe that the Lord honored his prayers and the prayers of that sweet little grandmother that was shaken like a leaf to rescue not just me and not just my mom and not just him, but my kids and my kids' kids and unlocked bitterness from being a thing. You see, my kids have seen the struggle. It's not a secret. They know all of it, but they've seen me try really hard to honor. They've seen me forgive and be able to pull the good out of a person and not be okay with the sin and set boundaries when you need to, but to honor the good in a person. My broken family was once my greatest sense of shame and fear. I was scared to death that I wouldn't know how to be a wife, that I'd be a terrible mom, that I was going to flip a switch one day and just be crazy, that nobody would trust me. What the Lord can do with our mess, with our she's, all that, is beyond what you could ever dream or think. I am married to a literal saint of a man. I have three beautiful kids. Y'all, I was one of three. We get to serve up here and sing. I wear my mom's strap when I play most Sundays. It is a redemption story. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come back up here. Here's the truth. I don't know your stories. I don't know if this resonates or if, this, if, if you have different things that have come at you or if you're walking through something or if you're on the other side or if you don't even know who Jesus is yet. But I do feel certain that the enemy has had a heyday trying to rob you of your God-given right to confident hope. I know that he never stops until he tries to rob us of those things. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head and really just think about this past week. What lies have you believed? What skewed questions has the enemy asked you? You are called and equipped to be the picture of a bold woman, clothed with strength and dignity, not because you're strong, not because you're dignified, but because you're clothed. 
fearless of the future, equipped with wise words and wise, kind instruction. You are called to be someone overflowing with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. If the enemy has kept you so busy and so pushed down with feelings of shame and fear and bitterness, just call him on it. We got to read his playbook. I hope you recognize today that the Lord sees you. That day that I met Jesus in middle school, he made it clear that he saw me. I pray that that's what happens for you. I hope you choose to place your trust in Jesus Christ tonight if you haven't before and you never have to second guess the power of his love or the power of his blood. God, we love you. We thank you for this night. God, I thank you so much for working all things for our good. God, I just ask that if there is any woman here who has a pull to you, God, who you have called, God, that you just want to forgive and start new with. Lord, that you'll make that so clear in her heart. And y'all, if that's you, we're going to pray this salvation prayer. I'm going to pray it the hundred and first time. Lord, God, we just ask that you forgive our sins. God, we believe that you are real. We believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and resurrected, that he stole the keys. He defeated the gates of hell. And that we get to walk in freedom here and in eternity because of his sacrifice. God, because of our faith and our belief in that today, God, we just claim that our eternity is secure in you. God, that we will turn our eyes towards you. God, that we will walk in your ways. And Lord, for the women who already know you but are so burdened, God, we just ask that you would break those chains. God, that you would give them supernatural ability to hold every thought captive, to recognize the voice of the enemy and to know your voice so clearly from it, to know, you know what? My father would never say that to me. My father would never sow that seed in me. And God, that you would surround these women in a community of believers that will do nothing but point us to the father. Lord, we thank you for the freedom that is found in you. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for closing, clothing us with enough strength for today. God, we thank you for clothing us in dignity, the least of the least. God, we declare that we will be fearless of tomorrow because we know who holds it. And Lord, we just ask for your your kind, wise words to flow freely through our lips. We give you all praise and glory and honor today. In Jesus' name. What a powerful word. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, we would love to know about it. Saying yes is easy, but walking it out takes community, and we would love to do life with you. Make sure to connect with us on social media so you always know what's going on and definitely follow or subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend that you know would get something out of it too. We would love to get the word out and reach farther with a word God has for his daughters. This is one way that we can walk this thing out together. Until next time, keep growing. Oh,